This is Big Earl Matthews, and you're listening to the Modesto Reboot Podcast. Hey, this is Reggie Rucker, and you're listening to the Modesto Reboot Podcast. Hi, this is Chef Heather Love from the Burnt Inn, and you are listening to the Modesto Reboot Podcast. Modesto, 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 Modesto Reboot Podcast. Hello there, Rebooters. This is Phasm, and you're listening to the Modesto Reboot Podcast. On today's episode, I have Clark Beggs. How are you doing, Clark? I'm great. How are you? Doing awesome. I've been here for hours telling you great stories, and you didn't even hit record. It's, yeah, it's a bummer that no one will hear the hours of great material it's all good. that we just got through. <laughs> Clark, what is your day job? Uh, my day job is uh, as a creative director at Final Cut Media, and then I also do uh, freelance design and brand consulting on the side. So that's my exciting day job. How long have you been with Final Cut? Uh, I think I've been there six months or so now, and uh, I've worked at most of the agencies in the area. Just it's made your rounds? Yeah, I just made my rounds, just bouncing around. And uh, I think there's one left for me to sample, but uh, <laughs> we'll see if that ever happens. I felt like when I worked at Gallo, that, that was like, okay, I've worked at all the big companies in town. I guess I'm done. You've burned all your bridges. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thankfully not. Yeah, I mean, if you, you can't, right? Because Modesto is a small area. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be like, you know what, F you, I'm out of here. And they're like... Hey, a year later, hey, I need a job. What is what does an art director do? So it's different. I've been creative director at different and art director. And, you know, I, I consider those kind of synonymous terms, but um, I've been that role at different agencies, and it's been totally different at them. So uh, I worked up in Stockton at an agency for four years, and as creative director, I basically, like, managed – all the creative team so um the way i kind of see it is like just kind of getting everyone on the same page and working towards the same goal um so you know if you've got like a person doing film you know they're using the uh correct branding that the design team came up with um, the copywriters writing messaging that everything's going in the same direction so you're directing traffic i guess and so that was kind of how it was at Tuleberg and at Final Cut. It's a little different um, because there's kind of a lot of different people overlap in their direction. So like, um, like I'm not a film expert. I don't necessarily know, you know, composition, um, lighting, things like that. But I can I can tell what's going to connect with uh, an audience or what's going to connect with. Um, their their customers so i think of it in that way so it's kind of you wear a bunch of different hats it's a little bit of project management i i still do a lot of design myself at tuleberg i did less design because we had a a bigger design team um so it's just yeah it's kind of you have to be a little bit malleable and and kind of um fit into the role that best suits you and is most needed yeah so yeah so most people I interview, I ask them what's their day job, which isn't that great of a question because 
I mean, really, a better question would be, like, what are you passionate about? Right. Because some well, people are just working a job that they're not passionate about. Right. But you, actually, I would also ask, what's your night job? Yeah. Well, I think by asking what's your day job, it's assumed that there is a night job, right? Or that there's something else that you're doing. So don't beat yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But my night job... Sounds like I'm uh, doing something uh, underground. Is uh, I sing and write and play music in a band called Stop Motion Poetry. And we've been around for a long time, probably before you were born. Me? Yeah, you. No, not, not quite that long, but, um, but you know what I mean, like a long time. Long, long for a band. Most bands either get bored or change their name and like start a new project many times over by the in the time that we've been active but i don't know it's like we've been writing and playing music with it's me and my brothers are the kind of core members so you're not on your 17th drummer we're on probably our 17th guitarist (laughs) (laughs) but uh we the guy who's been playing with us uh, is caleb hewlin who's also from modesto and he's actually been with us for five years now. And so, I mean, we put an album out t- 2012. And really, up until recently, hadn't put music out. We'd been writing a lot, working with different people. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's my expensive night job hobby that I'm passionate about. So, in your band, Stop Motion Poetry... You guys won the Valley's Got Talent one year, correct? Yeah. yeah. We. Um, what year was that? It was. I think it was twenty fourteen. I guess I could Google it, but it's been a few years. What What was that experience like, and what did that mean to you? It's actually really like the format there's been a lot of um local music um like competitions or the mamas uh, mamas there's you know uh, most bands have experienced some form of battle of the bands and usually it's like a popularity contest which is just doesn't for how many relatives you have in the area exactly yeah and it's like it doesn't really like i get why companies do the whole voting thing because it gets their brand out there and it's it's a marketing thing which is fine you know gotta you kind of have to do that but um the valley's got talent is judged which is already cool it's and it's pretty legitimate judges too like they bring in robert ulrich who is not necessarily like a music guy, but he um, casts for Glee, and which is a music show, um, and he knows performance really well. And then there's other local, like more localized um, directors and um, uh, di- people that are active in the arts that are judging, and they do. I think I do a pretty good job of evaluating talent so there's different categories they actually added a band category after the year we won because um they they we were co-winners and of the whole thing and then um 
it, it's like we played an original song, we wrote the song, a lot of people do covers, um, and so now by creating the band category, they're kind of rewarding um, people who write their own music, mm. and giving them a chance to um, to win something in that composition side of things. So anyway, I, I think it overall it was a really cool experience. We played two or three years and made a lot of good long-term connections through that. Robert actually brought us back for a show he did in town called One Night Only. And what it was was it was a bunch of the cast of Glee, Glee Project, um, and just other artists. Like Melissa Benoist was there, and she's Supergirl. And so we were basically her backing band. We played Blake Jenner, played a, a the Wonder song from That Thing You Do. Um, play, he played drums, and I fronted his band for a minute. So it was, it was a lot of cool things came out of the America, uh, the, the Valley's Got Talent, not America's Got Talent. But <laughs> I did, we did audition for America's Got Talent one time too, and that was very different. In, <laughs> different experience. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, where did you grow up? So I, I usually say I grew up in Modesto, which is. I spent most of my young years here. I was actually born in Cookville, Tennessee, which is, uh, I don't have a lot of memories of it, but it's very small. Um, I think it's probably like hour and a half, two hours from Nashville. My dad was teaching in Knoxville, teaches English. So I, I, I uh, you know, first five years of my life were there. And then we moved to Modesto um, because my mom grew up here. And uh, my dad took a job at uh, MJC. And so he's been teaching there for the past 28 years. Um, so, I mean, I, I went to elementary school here, kindergarten here. So, yeah, I mean, pretty much grew up in Modesto. What side of town did you grow up on? Um, so we lived over on a street called Cypress Avenue, which is kind of near like Tully and Briggsmore. Okay. Um, so, like, I went to, like, Fremont Elementary. Um, I actually went to Sherwood for kindergarten because we lived with my grandparents when we first moved here. And they live over in, like, Sherwood Forest. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so elementary school, I went to Fremont. And I went to Sonoma for a little bit. Um, and then, so I kind of bounced around because, like, Sonoma was, like, the gate um program was there and so it was like I was in elementary school with this group of kids and then I went to a different elementary school so I was the new kid for like three years and I went back to the original Fremont area district for junior high because they had the gate program at Roosevelt so it was like bouncing a lot of like you kind of like start to make friends and then you're like oh now you're in a different yeah. district and now you're back and then Literally, like, I went back and forth each time I went to a new um, school. So, um, so, but yeah, I still lived, I lived in Cyprus for a while, and then we, we bought a house over near Byer a little later. But at that point, I was still going to Downey, so. So did you go to Byer for high school? No, I, I um, even though we lived there, I had been one year at Downey, um, and I actually went there for the choir program. And then... Um, yeah, I just stayed there. It just made sense to stay since I had already one year in. So Devin, my brother, went to buy her for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, 
Downey. Knights, Downey Pride. I don't really have any high school pride, but <laughs> I was not that kid. You don't have the sticker on the back of your car? No. Definitely don't go to high school reunions either. <laughs> you don't go to the high school dances? No. Uh, no. Too much trauma associated with those. <laughs> Were you into music in high school? Yeah. So um, I grew up playing piano, singing in choir at church and school. And so Downey had a, a pretty like, a, in my opinion, the best choir program. Our teacher was Polly Vache, who's uh, just, like, kind of legendary in the, like, choir um, circuit. I don't know what you call it, but um, she was this tiny little lady who just had crazy amounts of energy and, like, got really good results. Like, we were... I, I don't remember if we, like, competed a lot as a choir, but we definitely, like, did some cool, like fairly exclusive things you had to get invited to um because she just got you and you, you you pitch perfect and this is like before glee and before pitch perfect and all these things and uh anyway so before it was cool to be in choir i guess i don't know if it if it ever got cool but um <laughs> <laughs> you could argue it's definitely cooler now that's debatable yeah definitely debatable but it was uh definitely like shaped my music a lot although I never had done anything original in terms of like like I was always singing um you know classical songs or whatever and piano same thing like I was learning um different you know songs that other people wrote um and so I think I think senior year so this is like the moment that I became uh got me into a band basically. the aha moment yeah like the moment where i was like that was really fun because choir was always stressful hmm. and like th that's kind of why i did choir because i wasn't having to sing solos i wasn't the spotlight wasn't on me it was never comfortable with that and so choir is where you know you're singing with four other people they're singing your same part at least you can blend in you can kind of um you know figure out exactly what um what your role is you know um but with uh at the end of senior year they had basically a recital and a senior recital um was where different people would go and they could perform whatever they wanted and my friends heard me like playing like the scientist by coldplay because i my mom got me like the sheet music so i was like learning it and I they like heard me like I would never performed in front of people and that, like I was just like messing around with the piano like oh you should totally do a Coldplay song for your senior recital and I I said yes not realizing how terrifying that would be <laughs> and basically I performed you know I performed the scientist no one had ever seen me sing a solo my parents never heard me rehearse because I only rehearsed when they weren't there and I sang it and I think mostly people were just, like, shocked that this quiet kid, like, sang and, like, performed and didn't fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then I got recruited into a, a, a terrible cover band. But that whole thing got me writing my own music. So that was, like, the response that I was like, oh, this is actually fun to perform your own version of something. So...
So what kind of music do you listen to? Um, I, most of the stuff I listen to is definitely like in the indie rock realm. Like I'm not really super um, eclectic or cultured in my music. <laughs> uh, like I, I listen to like, you know, Death Cab for Cutie was like a, a band I listened to a lot coming up. And then. So you stay within your skin tone. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Like. <laughs> There's a few, like, rappers I get into, but, like, people would be like, oh, that's a white person rapper, you know? It's like, yeah. like I, my brother, Devin's, like, he knows, like, he's very into rap culture. I, I just, like, I can connect with parts of it, but to, to me, like, melody is, like, the, the most important part of music for me. Mm-hmm. So if it has a good melody, I'm in. It doesn't really, the rest of it doesn't matter to me as much. So, I mean, Death Cab's one, Coldplay, like, their first two albums were, I was really, really into those. I was very into a lot of, like, 90s music, uh, 90s, like, alternative, like, Sugar Ray, like, stuff that people, like, rip apart and hate on, <laughs> I proudly love. Like, I love Smash Mouth, like, Smash Mouth, my daughter watches Shrek, that song starts out, or the movie starts out with, I think, All Star or something. <laughs> And it's, it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Vertical Horizon. Uh, yeah. There's, oh, of course, like Radiohead and bands like that, too. But 90s, something about it. Special. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Guitar solo. Chorus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the band goes, where have you traveled to for shows? Is there a show that stands out as far as like just was super memorable. Yeah. Um, so we haven't toured a whole lot for a band that's been around as long as we have. And part of that's because we were always booking our own tours. Um, and it's just like, it's so hard to get a good show if you're the band booking yourself. Um, but we've, we went to South by Southwest. That was pretty memorable. Um, it, the show itself was like bad. <laughs> That's in Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like South by Southwest is just a huge art, um, music uh, festival kind of. It's um, like tons and tons of people just converge on Austin in March. It's actually probably happening. It's literally happening right now. Um, so we drove. We went to L.A., played a couple shows. I think we played in Arizona and then just, like, drove all the way to Austin and played literally for one show. But the experience was really cool still because, like, we went to, like, we had a meeting and we went, we parked. And from where we parked to where our meeting was, there were, like, five different shows. And we literally walked, like, 400 feet. Wow. And it's just, like, every street corner, every space gets converted to a a stage so um there are a lot of cool things that happen like we met chris walla from from death cab and uh we met ben queller like just they're just like walking around and there aren't too many artists like that if i see on the street i'm gonna be like hey what's up but like chris walla was like dude and we saw him walking around and then he was at our show because one of the bands i was playing he had produced so he was like, he did, he of course missed our show, 
So our chance to to wow Chris Walla uh, came and went, but we'll, I'll never get over that. <laughs> You're struggling he with that. He doesn't respond to my emails. To this day. <laughs> uh. But, yeah, I'd say, I mean, South By, even though the show itself wasn't great, like, overall, it was a really cool experience. We've also, um, we've got probably more shows where just shit went wrong. And um, they're just as entertaining, I guess. But um, we played a show one time, so uh, we it was basically like a, kind of like an open mic type show, but it was curated, so... It was you. You get invited to this thing. They'd have the stage set up, and you play like two songs. And our van died on the way to LA, and we we were the only out of town band. Like our producer was down there, so we get invited to these things because he was kind of like a co-presenter of the show. And so we would be the only band driving from you know friggin' Modesto. I feel like a lot of band stories start with our van died Dude. on the way to the show. It's sad, but yeah. It's no, true. they're, they're it's probably all good stories. Afford, they can't afford a proper van most of the time. So we were in like Devin's $700 Grand Caravan from like 94. <laughs> and he like checked the oil. I'm doing air quotes. And just like didn't know how to read it or something. And essentially the van had no oil and was just <laughs> leaking oil. So it's like it, we got, you know, to Bakersfield and the the whole thing just like seized up. And the guy's like, yeah, dude, there's n- no way I'm fixing this. Like, And it was a $700 van. So it's like he essentially told us, like, you guys are probably just better off leaving this here. So we rented a, a Crown Victoria because that was the biggest vehicle at the nearby rental place loaded our crap into the the crown vic and my mom's van because she had happened to been coming to the show drove down and um you know got to the venue at like 10 or something and they were like they were super cool they're like yeah we'll still get you guys on saw bruno mars play because he had um it was actually the day he got signed so he was there to play that and then he left to go um, basically have like a, a signing party and we ended up going on at like one thirty, <laughs> and uh, it, it was cool I mean it was fun people like like a lot of people like were like wow this is this band's awesome these guys are brothers that's cool and so we like we we ended up making some like connections and stuff but it was like we're just not vocal as a band like we don't advocate for ourselves very well so we're like, hey, like we've been through, we literally have had like the worst day ever. Can we like not go on at one thirty when like most of the people have left? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we'll get you on, we'll get you on. But you know, sure enough. Yeah. But so yeah, and to answer your question, what was our favorite show? Like most of them have been terrible, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Which is not true. Not true. Yeah. What's up? This is Clark from Stop Motion Poetry. You're listening to our new single, Missile. That was it exploding. Strokes of your pencil, explode like a missile. 
And now back to Hotest to Reboot. So what does your immediate family look like? Um, so, I mean, I have two brothers, and they are, I'm the oldest. Um, both are in the band. Devin's uh, 20, oh, sh- Devin's 30. I'm old. He's 30, yeah, so he'll be 31 this year. Devin's 30. Um, Spencer is 24. And, um, yeah, so those are my brothers. And then my dad's uh, Jim Beggs. He's a professor at MJC. My mom is Leslie Beggs, and she is on the uh, YCCD board of trustees. I think that's the right term. So she's an elected official. Now, in your household, what is your... And so I have a a two-and-a-half-year-old, Amelia, and then my wife, uh, Ani, has... We've been married for, I think, 13 years this year, in July. And how did you guys meet? Well, we met on MySpace. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We... So, yeah, this is, like, one of the pre-recorded... Pre-recording... That doesn't work. Uh, stories we were talking about but basically uh, in the early days of the first band I was in um, MySpace was uh, the hot thing you know people talked to each other a lot with people they didn't even know and it was kind of normal and it was uh, so Ani my wife had messaged the band saying basically like I love your guys music like I want to quote make you famous on MySpace she was saying tongue-in-cheek a little bit but she was like I'm gonna tell everyone about you guys and I ended up talking to her because she was kind of more normal and we had gotten some like weird like fangirly messages that were like borderline like stalkery as I just said that it was normal to talk to people on MySpace (laughs) it was more normal sadly but uh so I ended up talking to her a little bit on my own profile called her eventually at my friend's beckoning, he's like, dude, call her. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, this is terrifying. I don't want to, I've never met her. Like, and I call her, and she was totally normal. She was living in San Diego, so eventually I took a train down and met her in person. And uh, we started dating. She came up here a couple times to visit and meet people, and then she moved up here. Um, she moved into a friend's house, got a job, and we got engaged pretty quick. I think I proposed to her at Johnny Carino's eight months in, something like that. The worst proposal ever. I literally was just sitting across from her and handed her a ring. (laughs) But keep in mind, I was like 19. (laughs) I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And, uh, so yeah, we got married and... July 06 and uh, and then we waited a long time obviously to have a kid because we were so young when we got married it was like we didn't figure out stuff on our own and then get married like we figured all that out together and we still are figuring it out but um, but yeah so yeah daughter turns three in May cool so What's your favorite thing about Modesto? I've been here a pretty long time. I think 
I think the kind of the personality that a lot of people have here is that uh, it's like a mentality, it's like an underdog mentality. Um, like if you've been here for any amount of time, you like most people, it's kind of, uh, it's like almost like a reaction, but to kind of just make fun of Modesto and like point out the issues and like, you know, make punny things about, you know, meth and it's, it's so tired and, and (laughs) so easy and cheap you know and so a lot of people are really really passionate about their town which if you go to like LA or San Francisco like you don't find people that are passionate about their town they're passionate about things and it's less common I feel like they're passionate about the name but where Modestans are passionate about their community yeah that that's yeah that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like. But that we're the opposite. Exactly. We're not passionate about the name as a community. Exactly. Like, we're not in the airport going, hey, I'm I'm wearing the Modesto hat, you know. Yeah. Like well, LA, I, LA you Dodgers. And I are, yeah, exactly. No, I'm saying as a whole. Yeah, totally. You know. And, then, and there's, there's, it's like people are in a little bit of an echo chamber of how they, you know. They think that their ish, the issues we have are exclusive to Modesto. Yeah. And it's not the case. So what I what I do love about at least the community that I've put myself in is that, like, people believe that great things can come out of Modesto. Like, there's no reason that, you know, we couldn't be an innovator in technology. There's no reason we couldn't be music innovators you know, there's all kinds of things we can do and really, and technology continually makes it easier to be anywhere and do awesome things. So that's, that's what I like about Modesto that I don't find. Like when I go to LA, what I was trying to say is basically like the people that I know in LA aren't from LA. They're just people that came to LA to try and do something, which is totally cool, but they don't have that same, um, personal, like, desire to make their community better necessarily i i really like that you said i the community that i put myself in because one i think modesto is segregated not not racially necessarily but um economic status wise Mm -hmm. and i think it's kind of a shame. I think, you know, people with less can learn a lot from people with more and people with more can learn a lot from people with less. Yeah. Um, and if you're in an environment of friends who are super negative, um, I don't believe that you just need to leave negative people, but I think you do need to spend a lot of time with people that you need to be mentored by or who can encourage you for sure. Um, so that you can go back and have an impact on people who are negative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's, um, there's like kind of two sides of it. Like, like I feel like I'm pretty honest with what I think Modesto can do. Like I'm not trying to say like, you know, Modesto is better than another place, but I genuinely, I think some people go over the top with like, trying to raise Modesto up to something and it's like 
yeah, George Lucas is from here. Yeah, there's a lot of cool but things. But he left. But he left. And it's like, you know, the idea that he, uh, you know, like, I mean, I won't, I, w- I have no idea what his opinions are of Modesto. But, yeah. But, like, the point is, like, people should be more realistic. And I think when you are more realistic, other people are going to be more receptive to, like, the possibilities here. But if you're, like, an outsider and you come to Modesto and we're, like, you know, like, George Lucas is from here. This is what he did. He, you know, he, he's, like, try and make it sound like he's a big champion for Modesto, which I don't think he is. Um, and people are going to see right through that and just be like, okay, dude, like, you're just doing the same thing everyone else does. Try and make it sound like it's cooler than it is. And then they're going to think it's worse than it is. You know? I can, I've, I can just imagine George Lucas growing up in Modesto with the small town feel that it has and saying, I came up with Wookiees and Ewoks. <laughs> Isn't this awesome? Let me tell you about Wookiees and Ewoks and lightsabers and people just not being okay with that, you know? And I think that's just a lesson for us now not to um, crap on younger people with ideas that don't make sense or don't, they're way outside the box. I mean, like extremely outside the box. Yeah. I mean, even people that are, you know, just yeah going outside of our comfort zone and being okay with things that are out of the norm yeah and i think um one of the things that you said just made me think of something but um i think we kind of need to as a community take a little bit of a leap of faith in terms of what we think the community will be receptive to um because a lot of people whether it's you know starting a new business that people think oh you know like for example my wife is one of the managers at preservation coffee and before that (laughs) drinking it right now um and before that it was the serrano social club and they a lot of people probably didn't think like craft coffee or third wave coffee or whatever the term you want to use would do well here because it's just like people assume um, people like Starbucks you know people just want that but these places do really well and it's like you know there is an, a need and a desire for like the things that succeed in other cities like craft cocktails or whatever people n- need to be more open to taking chances on that and they need to trust that the community is a, is a lot more the taste of the community is a lot better than you think. And a lot of people just want to discover what they, what they like. And I mean, craft coffee was eye opening for me uh, when I first, you know, was served a, you know, pour over that took seven minutes to make or whatever. It's like the process of it was really interesting and you learn to like appreciate and develop a taste for those things. And that whole, like I'm, literally addicted to coffee the next day you went out and bought thick frame glasses exactly and and, uh, And a nose ring and and got cool tattoos of uh, ironic things owls yeah exactly owls but yeah i mean so it's like i think people don't think that 
art will do well here, but it's like art is doing great. It just the people that have money that want to start businesses need to be more willing to like take chances on like opening a club or opening a record shop or doing things that um, you know like we have a need for that kind of stuff. That that kind of stuff will probably do a lot better than more traditional businesses. Yeah, I think that's what I would like to see in Modesto is the creative, whether that's musicians, artists, chefs, entrepreneurs. Like you said, there's people with money here who don't want to get in on the early um, portion and support and basically invest. Yeah. um, Thinking that this person or band or whatever is I want to get in on the affordable end before they go big and I can't afford it type of a thing Mm -hmm. where we tend to wait till somebody's moved out of Modesto, made it big and then said, I know them. They're from Modesto. And it's like, I would be a lot more proud to say they still live in Modesto and I support them and I own their album or I, eat their food all the time or I bought a painting of theirs or whatever, you know? Yeah. And there's, I mean, I think there's so many things that we could do here to support the arts. And I think, I think, yeah, you're right. Like a lot of people that have means, I mean, it's their money. They do what they want with it. But I think there's, uh, there's like a, a fear, like they want something to be a sure thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think that's partly why people leave. Because if you think about it, Modesto, in a lot of ways, is a the, the, uh, really optimal place to be as an artist because the cost of living is, like, reasonable. Um, and, like, I've basically decided I'm probably going to live here regardless of where I go in my music career. Like, though, I'll, I'll always have roots here. Um, if not this being my home base, because I could run a studio out of my home if I wanted. Um, I, the cost of living is not crazy. Getting a flight to L.A. is not hard. Going to Bay Area is not hard. But living in those areas, you know. I, another thing, too, is I think you kind of lose your identity a little bit um, if you're relocating f- to L.A. for, like, music, because you just become so surrounded by people that are doing the same thing as other people that's a whole other conversation but yeah that could that's a long conversation yeah, too. yeah. how long's your podcast big, <laughs> big fish hours? in a small pond <laughs> small fish in a big pond yeah yeah well is there any other famous people that you've met yeah i've i've been in the room with a lot of famous people over the years um some like like Bruno Mars, I saw him play and I briefly met him, but I didn't really, I mean, I just remember meeting him. I didn't know who he was. And I was like, why is this guy's name Bruno? Like, that's just a weird name for this guy. Basically, he just doesn't look like a Bruno to me. Like I picture like a tall, like blonde German dude. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's my own racism, I guess. But, (laughs) but anyway, he, he was, you know, like I didn't interact with him at all. But, uh, I mean, I I met Luke Bryan. I didn't know who he was either. And I think I offended him by not knowing who he was. I was talking to him 
I was in a, I was in Nashville, and my friend took me to this birthday party because I was basically like staying with my friend. He was taking me around to all his, all the things he was doing. I was like his third wheel, and he <clears throat> went to this birthday party, and all of all the people there were like musicians and songwriters or whatever. So I was like talking to this guy in the kitchen. I was like, "Hey man, what's up, dude? What do you do?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm a musician." I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Like, me too." And I was like, "Oh, me and this guy are like connecting. Like, everyone's a musician there." So I was just like, I was just excited to talk to this guy <laughs> because he was a musician. And I was like, "Oh yeah, dude. I'm like trying to book my first tour right now. Do you ever tour?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I tour a lot." I was like, "Oh cool, man. Like, what types of venues are you playing on? Like, do you have any recommendations in like this area?" And he's and I was like, you know, I'm playing like clubs and stuff. What are you playing? He's like, mostly stadiums. <laughs> Sold like, out stadiums. Yeah. I was like, I don't even remember how I reacted. I was like, wow, this guy's kind of a douche. <laughs> but sure enough, it was Luke Bryan. And he, at the time, he was like already big, but I didn't, I don't listen to much country. Yeah. But then later on, he was like, oh, he is very big. He is very, very popular. So, do you have any um, favorite quotes that you live by, or yeah, when I was looking try to the, live by when I was looking through the questions and you, I saw this question, I was like, I need to check and make sure this quote's accurately uh, attributed. But I'm pretty sure Sun Tzu said this: uh, opportunities multiply as you seize them. And I've found that to be really, really true. And it's something I try to live by because opportunities uh, kind of are few, hard to come by, like a good opportunity. And so it's hard to, as a, as a band, like when you start out, you're like, every show you get offered, you're like, yes, yes. And it's, I hate turning stuff down because I see it as an opportunity. But I've learned to be a little more choosy. But that being said, like, in the band's career, that's been so true. Like, uh, the opportunity to write with Jeff Cohen came about from another opportunity. And that opportunity led me to being in Nashville writing with him and um, meeting other people. And so every time I like, met somebody, I try to, like, follow through and go as far as they would let it go. So it's like... If they're like, hey, I, I heard you play this song with Jeff, like, let's write a song. I would, I would do everything in my power to, like, get a session with them. Um, right now, we're, like, we're trying to write a lot. I'm trying to write with, um, going back to the 90s bands, I'm trying to write with Stan Frazier, who was, wrote a bunch of Sugar Ray songs. Sean Hurley, who I met at the first show I ever played in L.A., plays vertical, played for Vertical Horizon. So I'm, like these guys want to write and so i'm trying to like actually follow through and like do my part at least you know to to make it happen so that that's like the kind of the even though it wasn't doesn't apply to music when he, in his context like when he said it yeah he wasn't thinking like oh as a this musician. is gonna really speak to musicians yeah. watch this yeah hold my beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> Pull my beer. Nice. No, I'm dude. That's an amazing quote. It's really es good, especially for. I want to say young people. Maybe I'm wrong in that, but I think especially in today's society, young people see the most amazing things on Instagram, and 
think that it happened overnight mm-hmm. and that they just were lucky and they just born yeah. into the right family, which I mean, there's truth to that as well. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes doing the little things, just getting out there and doing something yeah. starts an avalanche totally. and it doesn't happen until much later and much, you know, like I, I love how you were talking about how you just followed through. Like you do, you do yeah. a show for free you meet one person there and same thing happens for me at times too in the art world or uh, whatever I'm doing where I meet, I go to something and I'm like, I don't even know if I should go to this. And I end up going, it's everything's done. And then I just meet some random person and start talking. I'm like, yeah, they have connections or they have ideas that are amazing. Yeah. That leads to something else same thing happens i don't even know why i'm doing this and then i meet the person i'm supposed to meet and it just goes on and on i think it's great yeah same advice same thing with like um there's been so many times where we'll get a show and like you know something about the show just makes me wonder like should i do this and and when i when i do something happens you know something little and when you're talking about the avalanche, the concept of it, um, there's a book called Good to Great. It's more of like a business book, but it talks about companies that go from good to great. And they have like a, a standard of what good is, what great is. And all of these companies that got to the next level, they they use the analogy of a flywheel. So when you're turning a, f- they, you basically, every little thing you're doing is turning a flywheel. And over time, it gets up to speed, and so eventually, you're gonna—it's gonna be going full force, and that's kind of like nobody, none of those companies were overnight successes. They were all doing the right thing for a long time, and eventually, it got to a point where it was everything was working. So, I mean, it's—it really applies to anything. Yeah. Cool. Well, for the listeners. We're going to close this out for the listeners to hear your music. How would they get a hold of you? Stopmotionpoetry.com is a great starting point. Um, our new single, Missile, it came out on February 8th. And you can hear it on Spotify, iTunes, whatever, whatever your platform of choice is. I think it's even on Napster <laughs> for the one of you who. Is it on MySpace? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I didn't put it there. Uh, MySpace. <laughs> a great place to meet your spouse. Yeah. If you ask me. Uh, and then, yeah, we're playing some shows. Um, mostly down in L.A. right now. But we're going to hopefully do a tour soon. So what about other social media? Uh, I mean, you can get to all of it through um, the website. But we're on Instagram, Facebook, technically Twitter. Everything's just stop motion poetry. Uh, Stop motion poet on Twitter and stop motion poetry on Facebook and Instagram. Cool. Yeah. And then for you personally, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, You can go clarkbeggs.com. Me at clarkbeggs.com is my email. So if you want to talk anything, branding, whatever, music, hit me up. Cool. So for side projects, they can get a hold of you there? Yep. Awesome. Clark, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Super stoked to have you on. Um, 
super proud to have your band here in Modesto and thank you um just an awesome band and on that note we're moving to LA <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no we like it here and uh yeah thanks for having me on man awesome thanks buddy Follow us on Instagram at Modesto Reboot, as well as Facebook. Look for the group Modesto Reboot. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.